Welcome to the podcast of Church on the Rock in New Albany, Indiana. We believe the message you're about to hear will encourage you today. Let's uh, turn to 1 Thessalonians. We're going to start there. Got kind of a different message for you today, but uh, it's necessary for you, and I feel like I'm going to be able to help you today. If you want to receive help, now let's just let's just start right here because this is going to be a this is going to be a home talk message, uh, pastoral message. So, how many of you are going to let me pastor you this morning? Raise your hand. You going to receive help? Okay, that's seventy five percent. Let's try this again. Uh, how many of you are going to let me help you this morning as your pastor? Okay, so so you're in agreement with me here. Well, you know sometimes pastors got to do different things. Pastors sometimes. They got to protect the flock, so there's sometimes there's messages like that. How many know it's like butt whooping message? Because shepherd has to take care of the wolves, and sometimes there might be a wolf in sheep's clothing. So you just gotta get out the stick every once in a while. There's messages like that. This is not one of those. Okay, okay. The prophets. He's in Texas. He's not here. Um, And. Then there's other messages where it's just like, you just got to feed the sheep. You got to feed the sheep. They just need green grass. They need water. They they need a pat on the back. That's what they need. But then there's other times where the sheep have gotten injured and they need to be helped. And that's one of these messages today. Now, even though I got a a wolf bite out of my leg as the shepherd, uh, I can still help you as uh, the sheep here today. If you'll let me help you this morning. And so uh, let's turn to first... Thessalonians 4, and we're going to start in verse 13. This is what it says. The Apostle Paul speaking to the Thessalonian church. It says, now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died. So you will not grieve like people who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring back with him the believers who have died. But let's look at verse 13 again. The last part, this is what I want to emphasize. Talking about death, talking about grief. What does it say? For us who are believers, there's something different about us that is different than the world. And... What you need to know about this, it says that you will not grieve like people who have no hope. You will not grieve like people who have no hope. So today, I want to talk about hope while you're hurting. Hope while you're hurting. And I know that this could be a tender message and a somber message, but but you can still respond to it because it's good for you to respond to things that the Word of God has to say. Now, This morning, we want to talk about hope while you're hurting because the Bible says that we can grieve, but not grieve like those without hope. We're not like the world. We we feel some of the same things that the world feels because we're in this world and we are human beings. We're We're not in heaven yet. We feel the same feelings that everybody feels, but we're different because we can grieve, but with Hope. We don't have to be without hope because there is a future for all of us in here and anyone who's went to heaven be beyond us and before us that we can go through hard things. Listen to me this morning and we can have hope while we are hurting. Are you here today? So 
Today, I want to try to help you with some things and talk about some some sensitive issues and some tender issues, but but we need to talk about it. And, you know, a couple things I want to share at the beginning of this is, you know, if you didn't know, it's on social media and at several places, but a lot of you know who the Hatterballs are, the Hatterball family, Pastor Dennis, Pastor Angie. They're, they're a great big part of our church family. They're they're family to us, and, and you know, the Hatterballs, you know, we have them come every year and preach at our church, and, and they're a sister church to us, Church on the Rock, Georgetown, Texas, and they're very important to us, but this past week, their daughter, Stephanie Hatterball, she was 31, she died, she went to heaven, and, and so that's a very tragic and shocking thing to feel, and I know most of you in here that know about that or you know their family, you're feeling the same way right now. Uh, you're feeling a little sick to your stomach. You're feeling a little in shock. You're feeling a little bit maybe like the way you felt when Dr. Dufresne died or, or another situation like that. And that's okay. But hear me this morning. There's hope while you're hurting. Are you here today? And I want to help you today if you'll let me help you. Now, I don't want to be an expert at this subject, but it seems like I'm getting a lot of experience at this topic. So I'm going to speak from experience today about a lot of things. And, and I'm getting tired of having this conversation with people and Natalie and other people about someone going to heaven. But you need to know that there is hope while you're hurting because we are not those who grieve without hope. So this past week, you know, Pastor Dennis, Pastor Angie um, they lost their daughter and she went to heaven at 31. And many of you know her and, and loved her and loved their family. So you're feeling what they felt. And before the service is over today, um, we're going to pray for them as a church family and get, get in agreement with them. Dad flew down yesterday and he's going to stay there as long as it takes to help their family. Cause that's what covenant does. Come on now, somebody. And so he's down there right now. He's going to be preaching at their church this morning. He's going to be praying for them. He's going to be helping them through these next several days. And we're going to do that from here, from home. We're going to be a part of them in our prayers and our thoughts. And, and I encourage you, if you want to write cards to them, write cards to them. If you want to send something to their church, send something to their church. If you want to drive or fly down there before the funeral, do it. Do whatever it takes, whatever God tells you to do, because that's about being a part of a church family, and their family is our family, and vice versa. And so, you know, that, that happened um, Thursday, and uh, got the call, and I, and I felt the same way you felt. I had to have Dad repeat himself three different times to make sure I heard what he actually said, uh, because it's shocking, and it's hurting. Now, I know we have so many different church people now, we got some people that know people like that, and we got a whole group of people that don't, you don't even know who the Hatterballs are, right. and you don't even know who Stephanie is, and that's okay, but this message will still apply to you, because there will be things in your life that you will go through that you will need this message, <laughs> or maybe there's some things that you've already been through in your life, and you still need this message because you got a bunch of ungrieved stuff in your heart that you need to deal with and let God heal you with, so, so whether you knew her or not, or you know the situation or not, this message is for everybody. And you need what I'm going to say today. So we're going to talk about hope while you're hurting. And I know for the vast majority of us in here, you do know them, and you do know Stephanie, and you do know their family. So you're feeling grief this morning, and I'm feeling that way. 
but there's hope while you're hurting. Now, I feel like you're with me. Are you with me? You're going to let me help you today. But, you know, this is the weird thing about life, and I don't mean to be too somber and, you know, dark with you today, but, you know, there is a book in the Bible called Ecclesiastes, written by Solomon at the end of his life when he experienced some life, and it's kind of sad. Uh, You know, he gets done with, like, every section. He's like, I slept with every girl. It was all vanity. He's like, I ate every food. It was all vanity. He's like, I I had all the money. It was all vanity. And, like, the the chapter after chapter after chapter is like, I tried this, I did this, I did this, but everything on this planet apart from God was in vain. It was empty. It was pointless. And, and there's, there's something that's just, you know, I, I was thinking about this week and it's, it's unusual and there's a reason for it, but I know we all think the same thing. It's like, we're living on this planet and there's there's beautiful things happening and there's brutal things happening all at the same time. And it's like you can't, you can't stick your head in the sand and say it's not happening because it's happening. It's like, like, like how like us in America are complaining about gas prices and like people in Ukraine are getting killed. It, it, two, two different worlds. And it's like, you know, how can... How can some of us be getting new jobs and living in a new neighborhood? And then, then like in Europe somewhere, there's, there's gr- little girls who are in sex trafficking right now. How can those two things happen at the same time? Because that's happening right now. And, and how can life be beautiful and brutal at the same time? Or I was even thinking about this past week, and I know the Taylors adopted a little baby girl, and, and Haas and Lisa had their baby. And, and that's beautiful. But then at the same week, something like this is happening. Someone who's 31 years old dies tragically in an accident and there's no explanation for that life is beautiful and brutal at the same time it's it's amazing and there's also anguish in it but there's a reason for that and it was never God's intent that there would be those highs and lows it was never God's intent that there would be these ups and downs that there would be something that seems like this is not fair and this is not right and well, this shouldn't happen that was never God's intent or plan or design when he created this world but something happened and the Bible tells you exactly what happened why there's those two things happening at the same time how can those things coexist how can life be beautiful but life be hard and painful and, and brutal things happen. It's like, that's not, that's not right. How can that be? There's something that happened, and it happened a long, long time ago before you ever got here in Genesis in the garden. Because when God created this world, he created this planet, he created it perfectly. Do you realize when Adam and Eve and all the animals and all the trees and all the rivers, there was no death. There was no pain. There was no poverty. There was no sex trafficking. There was was no cancer. There was no abuse. There was no hurt when God created the world and all that's in it. In the beginning with Adam and Eve, when mankind was made, it was beautiful. And there was nothing other than beauty. There was amazement and nothing other than amazement, but something happened. And there's a reason I'm saying that because you need to know what you believe. You need to know how to deal with situations like this and not go, I wonder why that happened. I'll tell you why that happened. Something happened in Genesis all those years ago that messed up this planet until God fully redeems it. 
The Bible calls it the fall. Adam and Eve, when they sinned, they opened the door to Satan. Who became the God of this world, the Bible says in Corinthians. That he has a level of authority. And ever since the fall, it says there's something that happened, not just to people, but to the planet, that there's a curse that came upon it. Because of sin, because of the curse, because of death. And there was an enemy unleashed that he now had a level of authority in this earth to cause bad things to happen. Are you with me so far today? And so life before sin, before the fall, before Satan was beautiful, was amazing. But afterwards, the fall, there started being decay and dying and disease and poverty and murder and abuse and hurt because of sin, because of the curse, and more than anything, because there was an enemy unleashed. And guess what? The enemy, the devil, whatever you want to call him, and all the people who work for him, they hate God. And because they hate God, they hate us. And not just us church people, they hate everybody. You know why? Because we're the crown of God's creation. We're the apple of God's eye. We are made in his image and likeness. So when when the enemy sees us, he hates us because we look like God. And so for the past, however long it's been since Adam and Eve have been here, The enemy has done everything he can to still kill and destroy mankind. And he's still doing that today in 2022. That's why life can be both beautiful and brutal and amazing and anguish. But those wrong, evil, bad, hard things are not from God. They're from the enemy. And they're from this world that we live in that's fallen and broken, sadly. But will be redeemed, which is the good news. But you need to listen to me this morning. You have an enemy and he hates you. Not just because you go to church. He just hates you because you remind him of God. And his job is to steal, kill, and destroy. That's what the Bible says. But God came to give you life and life more abundantly. So hear me today. What do you do? Now I've been in this situation too many times. That's why I'm speaking from experience. What do you do when you get hit with something that makes you rethink what you believe or knocks you off your feet? Um, Well, you can go a lot of ways with that. Now, now this is what I've seen, sadly. Uh, when When tragedy or hard things happen to people, especially faith people, and they're really not settled in what they believe and who they know God to be. They go a couple different routes. Okay, here's one route they go. Well, I still believe in God. I still love God. But I'm just just not into that whole faith teaching anymore, the faith church stuff. Like, it didn't work. So, like, I still love God. I'll still probably go to church somewhere, but not a faith church. Because I don't really believe that stuff anymore. Because it didn't really work out for that person or that situation. Or... I've seen people completely deconstruct their faith over a situation like this. 
well, I did believe, but this happened, and how could this happen, and why could this happen? So now I don't believe anything. I don't believe in God. I don't believe in the Bible. I don't believe in church. I don't believe in any of this anymore because I'm basing what I believe on an experience. Which, in the heat of the moment, sounds reasonable. Because you feel like, I'm justified. There's, there's things that happen that are not reasonable, and they don't line up with my faith, and they don't line up with the God I know. Why did this happen? I don't want you to fall in any of those categories. Because you don't have to. So this is what I want you to know today. When you get hit with something and you don't know what you believe, you need to know who you believe. Now, i got a verse for you here. 1 Timothy, actually 2 Timothy 1 and verse 12. Paul says, this is why I'm suffering here in prison, but I'm not ashamed of it. For I know that the one in whom I trust, and I'm sure that he is able to guard what I've entrusted to him until the day of his return. Notice Paul said, for I know in whom I trust. So in a, que a question like this, in a time like this, where you could ask questions about stuff, don't ask what you believe, ask who you believe. Who do you really believe God is? Do you believe God changed his character over a situation? Do you believe God changed his character because someone died of cancer? Do you believe God changed his character because someone died in an accident? Do you, do you believe God changed his character because a relationship split apart? Do you believe God changed his character? It, I, in situations like this, the enemy will try to get you to rethink what you believe and why you believe it. And you start doubting stuff. Why? Because you put your experience above what God's truth really is. But if you really know in whom you believe, you'll believe that God's character has not changed just because of a circumstance. I need your help in this Methodist church. You will still believe that God's character has never changed and will never change, that God is still love, he is still good, he's still a healer, he's still a deliverer, he's still a protector, because I know in whom I believed. And the situation is not going to change what I believe about an almighty God who has never changed. But I know in the, in the heat of the moment, that's hard to say that. Because your feelings say the opposite of that. But you got to know in whom you believe. And who do you believe God to be? And if you know who he is, and what his character is like, even if something in your life or somebody else's life doesn't line up with the truth of God's word, you don't side with your experience. You side with the truth about who God really is. That God is love, that God is good, that God is faithful, that God is kind, that God is compassionate, that God is holy, that God is worthy to be praised, that God is a healer, a deliverer, a protector, almighty God, all-sufficient one, and able to do everything the Word says He can do. I'm preaching in this Methodist church. I need your help today. We have to know in whom we believe. In whom we believe. So, like I said earlier, 
if you know who God is and you know who the enemy really is, you know whose fault this is. You don't have a question mark above your head like, why did this happen? How did this happen? Who did this? I know who did this. If you know who God really is. And let's read a verse again just to, just to remind yourself the dividing line on who God really is and who the enemy really is. So, so John 10, 10, very simple verse. In the Amplified, it says the thief, that's the devil, and everybody who works for him, <coughs> comes only in order to steal, kill, and destroy. Stop there. If something's stealing from your life, killing something in your life, or destroying something, it's from the enemy. Hear me, church family, have good theology. Don't blame that on God. Don't blame that on anybody else. Blame that on the enemy. If you go to get mad at anybody, get mad at him. He's the one who causes the hurt, the pain, the trauma, the disease, the death, the brokenness on this planet, not God. Not God. Hear me today, not God. The big dividing line, and, and notice what Jesus said. This is red letter. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. And Jesus said, who is God? I came that they may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. That's what God does. The great dividing line. In your life, if something happens, the stills, kills, and destroy, it's not from God. It's from the enemy. But if it's bringing you life and health and peace and joy and love, it is from God. So, in situations like this, don't say, well, I don't know what I believe about that. I used to believe that, but because, no. Know who you believe. Know who you believe. Know who you believe, church family. He's faithful. His character has not changed just because of something bad happening. And realize who the true enemy is. So, let's talk about grief for a moment, if we could. Are you guys following me so far? So, times like this, we're going to talk about grief for a second because it's what a lot of you are feeling right now and probably a big portion of you have felt this a lot with situations in life. And I, and I was thinking, I actually said this yesterday, I was like, man, there's a lot of people in the last little bit of my life that have passed away, there's a lot of people. I'm not just talking about Jacob and mom. I'm talking like there's a lot of people. And, and I don't like that. I'm not trying to be the grief counselor at Church on the Rock. I'm not trying to be the grief expert. I would prefer not to be. But i got to help you as your pastor. Because that's life. It's life. And things are going to happen to all of us in here. We're going to experience grief and loss in some sort or fashion. I'm not confessing that over you. But you live in this world. So you need to know how to deal with it. 
But here's, here's some just foundational things you need to understand. First of all, God gave you feelings and emotions, and they're not bad. God gave you those. God, God has feelings and emotions. God in the Bible is emotional. He laughs. He gets angry. He gets grieved. Jesus in the Gospels showed every human emotion you can imagine. He was angry. He was glad. He was happy. He laughed. There was also times that he wept and he grieved. So emotions and feelings are not sinful to feel that. Grief is not sinful to feel, but we need to grieve with hope. Knowing that God can help us while we are hurting. We're not alone in this life or in our grief and our pain. God prepared ahead of time answers and healing for all of us in here. Not to just leave us in this place of despair our whole life when we go through something tragic. He has answers and he has healing for us. And not just a band-aid healing. But true healing, that you're really healed, spirit, soul, and body. And, and only God can really fully do that. I know, I know going to some counseling can help. I, I know getting prayed for can help. But, but God, at the root of it, can really heal you from the inside out. So, let's talk about grief. Why do we grieve? Well, we grieve because of loss, and, and grief is, is sorrow or pain that comes from, from loss. It could be any type of loss. Um, <clears throat> the most obvious one is, is death. But, but we grieve when we, we lose something and there's pain and there's sorrow that comes from it. But, but a lot of us, there's a lot of other things that we grieve over in life. And a lot of times we don't handle that properly and it hurts us because we don't let God heal us of that. It could be trauma. We grieve because that's a loss. It could be abuse because that's a loss. It could be chronic illness or pain. That's a loss. It even could be something as simple as a change in your life. Uh, there's a feeling of grief because it's a loss of your old life. You know, when you move into a new house, There's a, there's a sense of excitement and sadness at the same time. Why? Because your old life is gone, you got a new one, and there's a sense of loss. It's, it's, a, it's a lower level of loss than death, but you still feel grief. Or when you go from uh, being single to being married, you're happy and you're sad at the same time because your freedom is gone. And uh, <laughs> the loss of your old life, it's true, you're happy and sad at the same time because it's a change in life and there's a loss of your old life. When you go from having no children to a child, Haas and Lisa, wherever you're at, in the hospital right now, you're hearing me, your life is completely different forever. And it's a loss of your old life. You can't do what you used to do because it's also great excitement and great happiness, but there's grief because it's a loss at the same time. Are you with me? So why do we grieve? We grieve when we lose something. And we experience, because of that loss, pain or sorrow. So when we do that, though, there's a process. There's a grieving process. The, the, the Bible talks about a grieving process, and, and counseling talks about a grieving process that everybody got to work through. You, you got to go through it. Uh, you can't go around it. You got to go through it. Now, that's what a lot of people avoid, and that's why they never heal. 
Because they avoid the grief process and they don't actually go through it. You got to go through it to get to the other side. Now, why is grief, though, so hard for all of us? Like, grief's a hard thing. And it's hard because we were never meant to die. Grief is hard on us because we were never meant to lose anything. Grief is hard on the human being, your spirit, your soul, and your body because God never created you to have to grieve anything. And that's why it's awkward. It's hard. It's hard to even understand sometimes. You're like, why do I feel this way? Or why am I experiencing this? Because your body, your mind are trying to process grief, and that's hard. A lot of times when people are grieving, they start having physical symptoms. Why? Because your body is trying to process that grief. A lot of times you start having mental and emotional things that start happening, and you're thinking, I'm going crazy. No, you're not. Your body and your mind is trying to process that grief, and that's the best way you can do it is through certain situations like that. And your body, your mind, and your spirit all have to process and heal from grief to be made whole. It's part of the process. Like I said, and a lot of us want to avoid the process because it's kind of hard. It's kind of tough. And, and we don't want to feel certain feelings or go through certain things, but you got to to get on the other side to where healing is. Am I helping you at all this morning? Hopefully I'm not boring you. I'm trying to help you today. There was a book written uh, a while back that's pretty well known in kind of psychology world. It's called The Body Keeps the Score. And it was about how that your body and your mind, um, if not healed properly, keeps trauma and grief. And, And that's why like down the road, like people start having like random physical issues and you're like, what happened? It's like, well, you never healed of that situation a long time ago and you start having like stomach issues and like well your body kept that because you never healed from that or you start having migraines like later on in life or you start you know having other physical issues or start having like a a mental you know anxiety and depression like I was perfectly fine what what a lot of times is that it's undealt with grief and pain because your body keeps that in you if you don't let God heal you so we need to let God heal us Sometimes that can come out in our life as sadness, or anger, fatigue, sleep problems, anxiety, headaches, chest pain. Hey, I've had all the above, so I know what I'm talking about. But what is that? It's your body and your emotions trying to process that grief because we were never meant to die. We were never meant to experience other people dying or other people grieving. We were never meant to experience loss, and that's our body's in mind's best way at dealing with it. Now, hear me today, especially for people of faith, we don't do a good job at grieving as a group of people. I'm not just saying this church, but I'm saying like faith people don't do a good job at this. Now, Let me just say it the way I want to say it, because I'm going to say it anyways. Situations like this and other things, a lot of times in faith circles, we say that we're okay and we're not okay. 
because we feel the pressure to say we're okay. And we call that faith, which it's not. It's denial. And what I've learned as a pastor and being in church my whole life, I know I'm 35, I know I'm still a young man, but I've experienced a lot of church for these 35 years, and I know people. And what I've found out for the most part is a lot of church people, even faith people, are very emotionally unhealthy. Because they're not in faith, they're in denial. And they've never let God really heal them of grief and pain and trauma and other issues. They never let God heal them because they felt like if they actually dealt with it, they would actually have to admit something to somebody else. And, and so other faith people look down on them like, oh, you don't got enough faith. So a lot of times in churches like ours, people shut up that really have issues and act like they're in faith, but they're not. They're in denial. Are you with me today? But here's the issue with that. If you push down grief and pain and hurt, it doesn't go away. It doesn't. You know how I know? I've tried. It doesn't work. If you push grief and pain down and act like you're a big faith person when you're in denial, you know what happens? That thing does not go away. It actually grows and grows and grows and grows and grows. And then you get into your 40s and 50s and 60s and you start having physical issues and mental, emotional issues. Why? Because you never dealt with the thing because you acted like you're in faith, but you're in denial the whole time. Because you felt the pressure to act like I'm a big faith person. We need to let God heal his church family. Don't suppress it. Don't deny it. But let God heal you. Spirit, soul, and body. And it doesn't matter what other people think about it. Let God heal you. Let God fix you. Let God change you. Deal with those issues in your life. And you can only do it with God and heal with God, but let him do it. Whether that's a past thing or a present thing today you're dealing with, let God heal you. Stop being in denial and let God heal you. Why? Because if you don't, it will grow and grow and grow, and it will come back at an inopportune time. You're thinking, why am I anxious? That's something that happened 10 years ago. You never dealt with or why am I mad at everybody now? That was 20 years ago you never dealt with that issue. Or why am I having these physical issues? Maybe because you didn't forgive somebody 30 years ago and it's still in there. You got to let God heal you. And a real faith person is not somebody who denies that stuff's going on in their life. I don't know who taught you that. A real faith person is honest with God and honest with other people and lets God heal them. We're not performing for each other in here, guys. You shouldn't just say, oh, I'm good, I'm fine, praise God, bless God, when you're not. Let God heal you. It's quiet in this Methodist church. I hope you're listening to what I'm saying today. We don't need to suppress or hide our pain because it doesn't go away. It grows. Once again, how do I know that? Because it's happened to me multiple times. You know why? Because my position. I'm thinking, I, I don't got time to grieve this. 
Push it down. I don't got time to be upset by this. Push it down. I don't got time to deal with this. Push it down every time. It grows back up. Why? Because you got to let God heal you. You got to let God heal you. I'm getting to a good place today. Just stay with me. I'm trying to help you. They said the root uh, of many physical issues and emotional issues that most people have are ungrieved losses. They never dealt with. And they start stacking on each other. Like, it doesn't even have to be big. It's just like, hey, you got laid off. And then you're like, I'll just push that down. And then like, a relationship broke up and then you just push that down again and then a tragedy happened you know your grandparent died and then you push that down again and it starts stacking up after a while and then you wonder why you start having the issues you do because it's all these ungrieved losses that you keep pushing down that God needs to heal and you gotta let God heal you and you gotta let God take you through that process and not run around it and not deal with it. You, you, you got to go right through it and let God heal you. Because he's a healer today. That's why we can have hope while we're hurting because God can heal us. We couldn't have any hope if it was like, okay, well, you got to go through it. But there's no return from here. God's just going to leave you the way you are. And you're going to have to deal with this pain the rest of your life. No, God can heal you. And he's a God that doesn't just heal physically. But he heals mentally and emotionally. He binds up the wounds of us, not just physically, but mentally and emotionally. He comes to heal the brokenhearted. That's what he does if we allow him to do it. But with recovering from grief, a lot of times we can turn to the wrong things. To bring us peace and comfort, which it will not. That's a lot of times when addiction starts is because of grief. Could be little things or big things. But either way, a lot of times we, we look to other things because they're a quick fix to our pain. Instead of letting God heal us, which is kind of harder sometimes. Because we have to deal with it. But listen today, God can't heal what you won't reveal. God can't fix a problem you act like you don't have. We need to be honest with him. I heard Pastor Chris Hodges say this, you're only as sick as your secrets. God wants to do a deep work in all of us, not just about this situation, but many situations in your life, from your past, from your family, from your hurt, from your pain. But if you keep your mouth shut about it and you don't ask God for help, if you don't ask God to heal you, if you keep those secrets, you'll still be sick until you allow God to help you. Time doesn't heal grief. Healing heals grief. And we need to go to the healer if we want to be healed from our grief and from our pain. Let's look at the verse, Ecclesiastes 3 and verse 4. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes, there's a time to cry and a time to laugh. And there's a time to grieve and there's a time to dance. 
So there's a time to grieve and to deal with these hurts in our life. And we need to let God heal us in that time frame. But just because time went by doesn't mean we're automatically healed. We have to let God heal us and do the work it takes to see us to be completely restored mentally, emotionally, physically, and spiritually to where God wants us to be. But it's a journey to healing. And everyone heals different. And everyone's on different timetables. But, you know, I thought of it like this is, you know, if, if you broke your leg, there, there would have to be a surgery probably that would happen to fix your leg. But that's not the end of the story. If you're going to get back up and you're going to get back to where you used to be, you're going to have to go to physical therapy. You're going to have to go to rehab. You're going to have to play a part in your healing. Now, now God does the deep work in us through the surgery and, and healing our wounds, but it's like recovering from like even a, a leg surgery. Like I said, you have to be a part of your healing. You can't just say, well, God, heal me, but I don't want to be a part of this because this is too much to deal with. No, you have to allow God to heal you, but you pray, play a part in your healing process. And that could look like this. Maybe God would say, hey, for this season, I just want you to worship every day. I want you to worship for this amount of time. And that's going to start healing you. Guess what? You have to play a part in your healing by worshiping and doing what he told you to do. Or maybe he'll tell you, I want you to listen to this podcast because there's something in this podcast right here that's going to help you heal. Or maybe he says, I want you to go talk to this specific person and you need to tell them what you're going through. And when you talk to them, they're going to help you heal. It's different things for different ones of us, but we have to play a part in our healing. And God wants to heal every one of us in here, but we play a part in our recovery. We play a part in our healing that God wants to do in our life, but we have to go to the healer if we want healed. But there's a time, but the time's different for everyone. Everyone heals differently. Everyone's on a different journey. I say we need to be very careful with telling other people about when they should be over something. Gosh, that's annoying. Please don't do that and come to this church. You know, some of you would consider me a faith man. I'm a, I'm a wannabe faith man. I'm not on dad's level or somebody like that. But you know what? You know, just the other week, my dad, myself, Jessica, sitting around the living room, we started talking about mom. We all started crying. Does that mean we're not healing? No, we're healing. We're not fully healed maybe yet, but we're further than we were a year ago. So what, somebody go come in there and say, Dr. Jacobs, you should be over your wife by now. Trust me, faith people say that to other faith people. It's horrendous. Who are you to ever say something to somebody like that? No, everybody deals with it differently. And yes, dad's more healed than he was a year ago. I'm more healed than I was a year ago. But we're still in the process. We're still in the process. You know, there's sometimes things come up about Jacob. And, and I get emotional about that. That was three years ago. It's still healing. It's in the process. I'm better than I was. Sometimes I think about Dr. Dufresne. There's sometimes I think about other situations in life. That doesn't mean that God's not healing me. He is. But it's a process. 
And the further you go along in the process and play a part in it, the stronger your leg gets again. The stronger your other leg gets again. The stronger your body, your mind. You start recovering just in the same way if you broke a leg. It's a process to heal and to recover. But God can do it if you stay with the process. And emotions are okay. Don't think just because you're emotional about something, that doesn't mean you're not healing. Or like, oh, man, I guess I'm not over it now. No, you're a human. You're a human. Like, my lovely mother said this to me my whole entire life. Jordan, cry. You know why? Because most guys have that issue. It's like. Because she knew the root of the issue. Just let that out. You know why? Because that's part of the grieving process. And you know what? Here's another side note. For most men, they go the opposite route. It's either cry or get angry, and they get angry. You're still emotional. You're just taking it out that way. She would always say that to me as a young man, even as I got older. Jordan, cry. Because you could tell I was trying to hold it in. And what, what happens to men and women that hold it in? You get angry. It comes out that way. There's a lot of people with anger issues because they're hurt. They're grieving something. And a lot of times they act like they're too tough to talk about it. But they need to let that heal. They wouldn't be so angry. But it's okay to cry. My mom always said it, it's God's release valve. It lets out that stress. It's a, it's a way of getting some of that out to you. And sometimes you need to cry. Sometimes you need to shout. Sometimes you need to let it loose. It's part of the grieving process, and it's okay. And it doesn't mean you're not healing. It doesn't mean you're not a person of faith. It doesn't mean that God's not working in your life. You need to. And really, if you hold it in, what happens? It's just going to grow. Got to let it out. This is the quietest service I've ever preached in my entire life. (laughs) Has anything I've been saying helped anyone here? A a few people, one or two people, most of you in here? Okay. (laughs) Everybody's like, is pastor going to cry or not today? I don't know by the way he's talking. I could. I could. Um, And it's okay. You know, Jesus in the Gospels, when his best friend Lazarus died, says Jesus wept. And he even knew he was going to raise him from the dead. And he still cried because he felt human emotion like we do. Because there was a loss there. We have to process with God. We have to be honest with God. We have to let God heal us. We have to go to him. And hear me today, it's probably not going to be a one-day process. Like, yeah, God, I got it. I'm, I'm better. Yeah. No. Uh, usually it's going to take sometimes people laying hands on you. It's going to take you praying in the spirit. It's going to take you listening to the voice of God. Like I said, he might tell you to worship for a season. He might tell you to, to read a certain book that, that would help you think better about how to heal. He, he might put somebody in your life. It's a process, but it's okay. God is your healer. Don't ever forget that. And there's hope while you're hurting. So we need to 
take inventory of our own lives, not just with this recent situation with the Hattaballs, but I know a lot of us in here have a lot of deep-seated grief that's still in here that you need to let God heal and deal with. It's uncomfortable. It's a process. He might poke on some areas. You're like, please don't touch that. But it's because he's trying to fix it. It's kind of like a wound, like when the doctor touches that and it hurts. It's like he knows what's the issue now. And a lot of times when God pokes on stuff like that in our life, we're like, don't touch that, God. Well, he can't heal it if you won't let him fix it. He can't do anything in your life. You're like, no, I'm good. Have you guys been seeing these therapy commercials about, like, there's this guy lifting weights? Have anybody seen that? And the weight thing falls on him, and the guy's like, you need help? He's like, I'm good, bro. <laughs> and then he's like, you need help, man? He's like, you know about me, man. He's like, you need help? And the weight's, like, on his chest. He's like, you know what family I came from, man. He's like, all right, man. And it's like, like, stop being prideful and acting like you don't need help. Or there's another one about, there's, like, two cowboys out in the field. Have you seen this one? And the, the guy gets bit by a rattlesnake, and he's walking like this. He's like, we should get you to the doctor. He's like, no, I'm good. My family's tough. Like, we're good. And he's, like, walking. He's like, we should really get you f- some help. We can get you fixed. He's like, no, I'm good. But Christians do that all the time. To God and each other, and it's not helping us, it's hurting us. We need to let God heal us. Brother Daryl, could you come up? And we're going we're gonna to wrap this up today. There was um, a couple things I was thinking about this as we close. And I was thinking of two things that during the grieving process that God wants to give to us. And it's for all of us. It's for the Hattaballs. It's for their church family. But these are two gifts that Jesus said are for us. And there are two things you really need the most when you're grieving and when you're hurting. It's peace and comfort. Because when situations like this happen, your mind can go a million different places. And a lot of times it goes to a place of fear and torment and hurt. And you need God's peace. But here are some promises from the Bible about peace. Jesus said, my peace I give to you, not that the world gives. My peace I leave to you. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Believe in me. And Philippians, it says, don't be anxious about anything, but by prayer and supplication, may your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, the peace of God, that surpasses all understanding, guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Peace is a gift that Jesus gives to us in the midst of our pain, in the midst of our grief. It's not a worldly peace, it's a divine peace. That you can have peace in the worst days of your life. 
You can have peace when your mom just died. You can have peace when your brother-in-law just died. You can have peace when Dr. Dufresne dies in a plane crash. You can have peace because he's faithful. And it's supernatural. I've seen it happen on people that you're thinking, you should be worried about this, but you seem peaceful. What is that? That's the peace of God guarding your heart and mind. The peace of God protecting you and keeping you in the toughest times of your life, and he can do it, and it's a gift that Jesus purchased for all of us in here, that we can have peace today. Not next week, not next year, today. That we believe that the Hatterballs and Church on Rock, Georgetown, Texas can have peace today. That, that all of us can have peace today. I didn't say everything felt great and anything was different, but God's peace could come overwhelm us and heal us and change us. God's peace could do that because it's supernatural. Now let's look at this verse in 2 Thessalonians 3.16, what it says about peace. Now may the Lord of peace himself grant you his peace, the peace of his kingdom, at all times, in all ways, under all circumstances and conditions, whatever comes. I would say that's about everything, didn't it? He said that there's a God of peace, that he would give you peace at all times, under all circumstances, in all conditions, whatever comes, the Lord be with you all. And I believe that today, as we close today, we're going to believe for that for you guys, but also for their church, that the God of peace, he's coming into this place right now, and he's given us peace at all times, whatever comes, whatever circumstances, because he is faithful and his peace can help us and guard us and keep us. But then in times like this, we need comfort. The good thing is the Bible calls the Holy Spirit the comforter. The comforter. It's one of his jobs that he sent the Spirit of God to comfort us in our toughest times, in our loneliest times. And I'm all for you eating Hagen dazs and getting a big blankie in times like this if you need it. But guess what? If God doesn't come with his comfort, the ice cream will run out. The blanket will get old. The Netflix show will go away eventually. You need something deeper than that. A deeper comfort. And God has provided comfort for us by the Holy Spirit. Look at this verse, 2 Corinthians 1, 3. In the Passion, it says, All praise belong to God, the Father of Jesus Christ. For He is the Father of tender mercy and the God of endless comfort. Listen to this. It's a promise. He always comes alongside us to comfort us in every suffering so that we can come alongside those who are in a painful trial and we can bring them this same comfort that God has poured out upon us because he's a comforter. He's a comforter. You know, there's been many a times I've driven out to Charlestown State Park when I didn't know what to do. I didn't feel like I had any peace or comfort. And guess what? I started walking those trails and it wasn't the trails that brought peace and comfort to me. There was somebody else there with me, the great Holy Spirit, 
the God gave us that abides in us forever, that never leaves us, that never forsakes us. And I could feel at times walking and talking to God about situations that were hard and, and grief and pain. And I could feel the tangible presence of the Holy Spirit come and start comforting me when I needed comfort and nothing else could started giving me peace when nothing else could because that is a promise for all those who believe. Peace and comfort. Can we stand up today? Thank you so much for listening today. For more information about what's happening at Church on the Rock, visit cotrin.org.